1: we are live on the internet i'm dave rubin this is the rubin report and it's time for another friday roundtable extravaganza joining me today is new york post columnist and author and host of the carol markowitz show carol markowitz and a professor author and evolutionary behavioral scientist and multiple, multiple, multiple Ruben Report guest making another return, Gad Sad, Carol and Gad, welcome back to the Ruben Report. Good to be with you. Gad, uh, you've been on roughly a thousand times. Are you nervous? Are you freaking out?
2: I uh, My cortisol levels are through the roof. I'm so <laughs> nervous.
1: And Carol, you've been on about 10 times. Are you freaking out?
3: Feel good about this, you know, an all-Jew panel. I mean, what
1: could go wrong? <laughs> Uh-oh! Don't don't tell Kanye about this show. Uh, all right, we got. Uh, we're gonna recap just like a crazy weekend. The last 24 hours, uh, particularly uh, with the DOJ releasing some uh, some sort of secretive but not so secretive stuff about Joe Biden that we've kind of all known. And then, of course, there was the, the big Tucker Carlson uh, Putin interview last night. And then we were gonna throw in some Sonny Hostin and other assorted crazy racist people stuff. Uh, but let's just dive right in. The big thing yesterday was that uh, Tucker went to Russia. He talked to Putin. We're gonna show you a couple clips here. Uh, and let's start with uh, a bit on why Putin says he's going into Ukraine now and not 22 years ago.
4: I'm just. You obviously have encyclopedic knowledge of this region, but why didn't you make this case for the first 22 years as president that Ukraine yeah, wasn't a real country? советская Украина получила...
5: The Soviet Union was given a great deal of territory
4: that had never belonged to it, including the Black Sea region.
5: Do you believe Hungary has
4: a right to take its land back from Ukraine and that other nations have a right to go back to their 1654 borders?
5: Uh, I'm not sure whether they should go back to the 1654 borders. But given Stalin's time, so-called Stalin's regime, which, as many claim, saw numerous violations of human rights and violations of the rights of other states, One may say that they could claim back those lands of theirs, while having no right to do that. It is at least understandable. Have you told Viktor Orban that he can have part of
4: Ukraine?
6: Never.
5: I have never told him, not a single time.
1: Okay, so I wanna get into some of the specifics about redrawing maps and picking years that we can always go back to 1654 in this case and all of those things. But first I thought for a moment we could talk about just kind of the media reaction and the general, Uh, Reaction related to Tucker doing this in the first place. Carol, you are an actual journalist. I didn't have to use air quotes there. It was very refreshing. Uh, Are you somewhat shocked at the reaction to Tucker doing this, even before the clips had been released? I mean, basically everyone's saying he's now just a Russian stooge and all that kind of stuff.
3: Well, not everyone's saying that, right? The people who hate Tucker are saying he's a Russian stooge. The people who love Tucker are saying he's the greatest journalist, you know, to ever journalist. Um, I want to <laughs> just quickly, before I get into that, correct, everybody's sharing that clip with an incorrect translation. I, um, I speak Russian. Oh, he does not say the Soviet Union was given land that does not belong to it. He says Soviet Ukraine, which is a giant difference. And I feel like I don't know. Every time I see it on Twitter, I'm like, I, somebody's gonna correct it because you could hear him say "Soviet Ukraine." It's not Soviet Union. So he's saying that Ukraine gained this land, um, and and that that is now he has to kind of recapture it. But you know, the whole thing is that I hate how all the opinions were out before we saw any clips. Mm-hmm. What you you know what you were saying about the media they hate Tucker Carlson, therefore, they oppose this interview, or they love Tucker Carlson, and therefore, they support this interview. I was kind of mixed on it. I am, you know, again, born in the Soviet Union. I don't feel a lot of love for Vladimir Putin, and I I kind of feel nervous about getting a softball interview with him. But I don't really think that that's what happened here. I think that this was—it wasn't a particularly newsy interview. Um, I don't think that we're going to remember very much about it but I didn't think it was softballs. And I I think that it was good to wait to see what actually happened.
1: No, I agree. I don't think it was a softball interview. Look, I think we do have to acknowledge that Putin himself is a former, or I suppose current to some extent KGB agent. So he might be manipulating Tucker and the viewing public to some extent, but Gad, I think you're fairly on the side of more conversation and more knowledge is better. We have a little more insight into his thinking now, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. I was I was struck by I, I couldn't maybe Carol can can comment on this when Tucker asked him Have you reached out to Viktor Orban and advised him? Obviously, he was using his beautiful sarcastic delivery, and it seemed so. I'm not sure if uh, you know uh, Putin was being. Uh, manipulative by pretending that he didn't get the sarcasm or whether it really flew over his head. I just thought that that was such a a beautiful moment because uh, in looking at it, it seems as though he didn't get the sarcasm because he answered, Mm -hmm. oh no, I haven't yet spoken to, I've never spoken to Viktor Orban about it. But regarding this idea of whom we should speak to or not, and since we're talking about Tucker, I've had a uh, cousin with whom I went through the Lebanese civil war. So we've had very intense moments together Disown me publicly on Twitter because I had appeared on Tucker's show. So, hmm. this not only happens apocalyptically amongst people who say, How can you speak to Tucker? How could you speak to Putin? It even happens with family members. So, it's an ugly reflex. And of course, I condemn it.
1: Yeah, for a moment, let's just discuss the specifics of that clip. This idea that we can pick, you know, years to go back to and, you know, territories that were here and borders that were drawn this way on that map and all that. Um, to me that puts us in just like a very dangerous position where how do we ever pick what year zero is what, what do you think about that Carol
3: Well yeah that's definitely a concern to me especially as the years he's talking about predate the American you know revolution uh, <laughs> right the, if we're getting into the 1600s we're in trouble as a country uh, about returning you know to borders it did I was when I heard that clip it also did sound to me very like land acknowledgement you know mm-hmm. lefty college kids, which is what Putin is praised to be this like anti-woke, anti-leftist, but he's sort of parroting the same line of, he says the words like indigenous, like rights and stuff.
2: Um,
3: He sounds like any, anybody on a college campus. It was sort of ironic.
2: Yeah, yeah, Go ahead. No, I was just gonna add that, uh, look, Khaibar Jews, right? So in Arabia, why don't we go back to when, you know, Muhammad eradicated those Jewish tribes in Arabia and they literally have the right to those lands as indigenous folks from that land. And so you're exactly right, Dave. This forensic accounting of who owned what when is also called history. And so if you had to go back and retrace all the borders, you'd be spending a long time doing it. So yeah, it's, it's a silly exercise and we need to move past it.
1: Gad, are you saying it's history and not her story?
2: <laughs> I apologize for that. That's that's my patriarchal mind speaking again. My, my apologies.
1: <laughs> I, I want to throw to another clip. We, we have three clips for you, but I want to throw to another clip because I thought this was the most interesting about when a, a negotiated settlement could have appeared and sort of now how deep we're in something that nobody seems to see a way out of.
4: So I just want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding what you're saying. I don't think that I am. I think you're saying you want a negotiated settlement to what's happening in Ukraine. Right. And we made it. We prepared the huge document
5: in Istanbul that was initialed by the head of the Ukrainian delegation. He affixed his signature to some of the provisions, not to all of it, He put his signature and then he himself said, we were ready to sign it and the war would have been over long ago, 18 months ago. Do the United States need this? What for? Thousands of miles away from your national territory. Don't you have anything better to do? You have issues on the border, issues with migration, issues with the national debt more than 33 trillion dollars, you have nothing better to do, so you should fight in Ukraine? Wouldn't it be better to negotiate with Russia, make an agreement, already understanding the situation that is developing today?
1: Gad, I thought that was a particularly clever move by Putin right there, to answer the question by saying, hey you Americans, you have a bunch of problems as we're all watching what's happening with our border and the economy and debt and all of those things. And especially when you're sitting across from Tucker to say that knowing that Tucker's base feels that, that, that's what sort of fueled the rise of Tucker and Trump to another extent. So, so Putin really knows what he's doing here. Also, I think in this case, and one of you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think he is telling the truth that there was a deal about 18 months ago that would have ended this and the Americans rejected it basically.
2: Yeah, right. I I mean, what amazes me is how he's able to pick the right persuasive delivery Mm -hmm. given a particular context. So they certainly seem to pay attention not to the general dynamics in the United States, but they even understand the media demographics so that, to your point, he exactly says the thing that, as you said, is going to fuel Tucker's base. And so to me, and maybe Carol can add to that, he seems like a manipulative genius, at least when I'm looking at it.
1: Well, Carol, as the Russian on the panel, I mean, is he using sort of KGB tricks there on one hand? Again, I think he is telling the truth about that there was this deal. I think Naftali Bennett, who was the prime minister of Israel went there at the time, went there and they negotiated this thing. Um, but at the same time, he's like kind of poking at the things that matter to Americans right now.
3: Right, I think that was a really sharp point by him, especially talking to Tucker. Um, He prepared very well for this. Look, he he threw out at one point that Tucker had tried to join the CIA. I mean, he knew things. And so I I think that he did well on some things, but ultimately I thought he came off like not, everybody's like, oh, he's came off as a brilliant strategist. I don't know, he came off as sort of erratic to me. and I. I I don't know about that deal in Istanbul, which is, you know, made me think about that, too. Like, I don't know what was in that deal. I I think three of us are pretty involved and pretty big media consumers. But can any of you say what was in that deal? I really don't know. Um, He also, he blames Britain for not pursuing it. He doesn't, he kind of lays off America actually. He doesn't say that it was the US who stood in the way. He says Boris Johnson. I don't, I don't know. I I feel like he was trying to be too slick and too smart. And some of it really didn't come off to me. If he was trying to talk I I forget who said this on Twitter yesterday, but if he he was trying to talk to the American heartland, his extensive history lesson just made no sense. Like it, it, it was too much and it was too detailed. And I I just didn't get it.
1: Yeah, I want to throw one other clip because I think this really was Tucker's best moment. And yeah, Putin did poke him at one point, basically saying, "You tried to get in the FBI; it didn't work out." It was kind of a kind of a funny moment. And to Tucker's credit, they did not edit that out. And I hope that Tucker, when he gets back here, will explain a little bit more about what his process was like, whether there was anything agreed to beforehand, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I think this was really the best moment because there was a Wall Street Journalist, a Wall Street Journal journalist. Who is in jail in Russia right now, 32 years old. And Tucker pressed Putin on releasing
3: him.
4: I just got to ask you one last question, and that's about Evan Gershkovitz, who's the Wall Street Journal reporter. He's 32 and he's been in prison for almost a year. And I just want to ask you directly, if as a sign of your decency, you would be willing to release him to us and we'll bring him back to the United States.
5: We have done so many gestures of goodwill out of decency that I think we have run out of them. We have never seen anyone reciprocate to us in a similar manner. However, in theory, we can say that we do not rule out that we can do that if our partners take reciprocal steps.
4: What makes this difference is the guy's obviously not a spy, he's a kid, and maybe he was breaking your law in some way, but he's not a super spy and everybody knows that. And he's being held hostage in exchange, which is true. With respect, it's true and everyone knows it's true. So maybe he's in a different category. Maybe it's not fair to ask for you know, somebody else in exchange for letting him out. Maybe it degrades Russia to do
5: that. He was receiving classified confidential information and he did it covertly. I mean, a 32-year-old like, newspaper He committed something different. He's not just a journalist. I reiterate, he's a journalist who was secretly getting confidential information. I do not rule out that the person you refer to, Mr. Gershkovitz, may return to his motherland. By the end of the day, it does not make any sense to keep him in prison in Russia. I hope you let him out.
1: I thought that was a really nice moment by Tucker. You know, and it's an interesting distinction between someone being a journalist and the way we treat journalists in America, actually not too great these days, but compared to how someone in Russia might treat a journalist who gets secret information and then Putin's like, well, he's no longer a journalist. Gad, Tucker deserves full credit on that one. Like it can't be that easy to sit across from that guy and needle him in his own country on that, right?
2: Oh, he's he's got a lot of testicular fortitude right there. I mean, I don't I can't imagine that uh you know he could do any faux pas that would land Tucker in prison. So I don't think there's any real concrete consequences to him being bold, but I think it still takes a lot of courage to be able to look this guy in the face and kind of uh, you know push him on these points. So yeah, hats off to Tucker, great job.
1: Carol, do you think it'll move the needle on this at all? He also said, I mean, this, and this is where Putin does this interesting double speak thing. We, you know, he said we've done all these gestures of goodwill. Do, do we know what these gestures of goodwill mm-hmm. are?
3: I also was concerned about the motherland comment, because yeah. obviously his background, Evan's background, is, you know, I think he was born in Russia. Um, and so it, it's a little concerning for other Russian-born people to wonder which motherland uh, Putin might have been talking about. <laughs> that was the best moment of the interview. I, I thought that that was very well done. I like that very much that Tucker asked him that. i was hoping he would bring him up, um, and I think it, it challenged a lot of people who, uh, you know, would say that Tucker came there just to give Putin, you know, sort of a a pedestal interview. Um, there were some tense moments, and that was one of them, and it, it was a really good one.
1: Let me just ask you guys one other thing on this, and then we'll move on, which is that to me it seems that I get why the media doesn't like Tucker. I get why the media doesn't like Putin, and all of those things. But it's like, if they would just basically do anything close to their job, then people wouldn't be that interested in this. And they, there's just, Gad, is there anything left with mainstream media at this point? Like, do you, do you turn on anything on mainstream media and think you're getting anything remotely close to the truth?
2: Yeah. Absolutely not. I, as a matter of fact, when Tucker, I, I hate to say this because I, I still once in a while appear on Fox, when Tucker left Fox... I've almost stopped watching Fox. It's been many, many years since I've watched any of the other networks. And so, yeah, much of my uh, media consumption comes from these, quote, alternative uh, sources. It is certainly dying. And it's it's so, I actually, I have an article that came out today in National Post where I talk about journalistic integrity and what a hit that deontological principle has taken. It's It's regrettable.
3: If I could just defend Fox for just like one second, I think Fox has been fantastic on Israel, um, on the war, on the news side, not just like, you know, being pro-Israel. They've been reporting some really in-depth, interesting stuff. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV, to be totally honest, but every time I do catch Fox, I I see that they're doing a a much deeper dive into what's going on in Israel than I think most people would imagine.
1: Yeah, look, I don't have cable and haven't had cable for probably a decade, but I will say that every time I go on Fox and I go on multiple times a week, I've never taken a dime from them. I do it for for my own because I want to get my voice out there. Nobody ever tells me what to say. They don't right. ask, you know, in the That's in true. the early days of going on there, you guys know this, when you go on cable news shows, they, they ask you, oh, give us a recap of what you think about these things. They haven't done that to me in years. I go on all these shows and say whatever I want, I always do it live, so to that end, I think it is probably significantly different than CNN or MSNBC, which I suspect none of the three of us have been on. Maybe Carol right. once?
3: Maybe once, yeah.
2: Ma- yeah, maybe. No, once.
3: But I, I, but I, MSNBC wants to criticize Trump only, obviously, um, and I think CNN wants as well.
2: I, I'm just going to second what you said, uh, Dave. Uh, I, you know, I've been many, many times on Fox, and not once has anyone ever said, "Say this or don't say that." So mm-hmm. I agree.
1: Yeah, all right, well, let's shift from Putin, whether you, whether you like what he says or you think he's lying or he's manipulating Tucker or, or whatever. Uh, we have a bigger problem at home because our president has cognitive problems and now it's, it's really bursting forth. So obviously there was this whole Department of Justice investigation into Joe Biden and the classified documents. They released some of the interview or the text, the analysis of their interview with Joe Biden and check this out. Uh, in his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of his interview when his term ended, if it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president, and forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began in 2009. Am I still vice president? He did not remember even within several years when his son Beau died, and his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him. Among other things, he mistakenly said he had a real difference of opinion with General Carl Eikenberry, when in fact Eikenberry was an ally whom Mr. Biden cited approvingly in his Thanksgiving memo to President Obama. So basically this comes out yesterday, and then it was so bad, talking about his memory, which we all know, but they keep running cover for on mainstream media, that at 7.30 last night, they put Joe Biden out in the White House. Uh, we have about a 60-second compilation. There's three key parts here, and it, it's just a disaster.
6: No, there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Let me tell you something. Some of you have commented. I wear, since the day he died, every single day, the rosary he got from Our Lady of. Every Memorial Day, we hold a service remembering him, attending by friends and family and the people who loved him. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone to remind me when he passed away or passed away
7: president biden something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because in his description you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory
6: i'm well-meaning and i'm an elderly man and i know what the hell i'm doing i've been president and i put this country back on its feet I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out.
7: is your memory, and can you continue as president?
6: My memory is so bad, I let you speak. That's you, the — Do that's, that's your the,
0: memory has gone?
6: As you know, initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side.
1: All right, so for those playing uh, at home, he forgot the rosary, where that came from. Um, he, I'm letting you speak. That's proof of how good his memory is. That makes no sense. Uh, NLCC, of course, is the president of Egypt, not of Mexico. Gad, I mean, it's, we can make all the jokes and all that stuff in a second, but like, this is like deeply disturbing at this point, actually.
2: So, there are two tragedies, of course, seeing the cognitive demise of the President of the United States. But I'd like to add a second point. I was recently on a show with a host, the host was a British psychiatrist, and he asked me that in, in your 30 year career as a professor and behavioral scientist, what is the singular finding that has most surprised you? And so I thought for a second, I said, the inability of people to change their mind. Despite a tsunami of evidence that should get them to change their mind. Now, why am I saying this? Because any honest person, any decent person, even if they are Democrats, would say, "Yes, I concede that Joe Biden, uh, you know, doesn't have much cognitive acuity left in him." And yet, if you remember recently, Bill Maher had Patrick B. David on uh, mm-hmm. on his show, mm-hmm. and Bill Maher said, "Well, no, when it comes to who you know, who is more." Uh, you know cognitively aware and who has better cognition. Well, it's Biden, to which, if you remember, Patrick, but David just kind of used a Socratic method and just said, Really? Do you, you you really think that? So here's Bill Maher, which we all can presume is an intelligent person, who doesn't have the intellectual honesty and decency to say, yes, I'm a Democrat and I support the Democratic Party, but you know, I am going to believe my lying eyes. And I think that's the real tragedy, which is that that when I go online to try to engage people, to at least get them to concede that he has cognitive decline, a great majority won't concede that. There's the tragedy.
1: Right, I mean, Carol, we've all known this, right? And, and it seems obvious that everyone in the Democrat party knows it, but to Gad's point, it's like they're just going along with this. You've been saying for quite some time that they, it's too late to replace him. To me, it seems like this thing just escalated last night. Like I've never seen the online chatter, le- the way it was last night. Like enough's enough with this thing. But you think it's just too late?
3: Yeah, I stand by that. I've been very unpopular at parties, you know, for more than just <laughs> usual reasons for saying that. I think that our next president is Joe Biden. Um, I not only think that he is going to continue to run, I think he has a very strong shot of winning. And, I, you know, don't kill me, listeners. I'm a conservative. I would rather not have a Democrat, but here we are. Um, it's The, the problem is, is that if you look back at Joe Biden's career, he's been this bumbling, you know, kind of doddering old man for, <clears throat> you know, 40 years or so. So I don't see a giant shift in his voters. I don't think they're going to say, He's too old. I'm voting for Donald Trump. It's just, I just i I don't see that leap. Um, <clears throat> and I hope that Republicans don't underestimate Joe Biden just because they do see this doddering old mm-hmm. man and they they think, oh, we've got him now. he's he's old, and we're gonna we're gonna run on that because it, it just, I think simply not going to work.
1: Gab, you're a Canadian, but I'll still ask you this question. Um, does he sort of represent to you? kind of the perfect avatar for what America is at the moment, meaning he is this sort of muddled, you don't know what he really thinks, what he really believes. It doesn't seem very functional anymore. Like he does kind of represent, unfortunately, what I think America represents at the moment, by the way, in large part because of him and his policies.
2: Well, I'm glad that you reminded your uh, viewers that I'm Canadian because, uh, you know, (laughs) at least when you have cognitive decline as joe biden has that implies that you have a brain whereas our canadian prime minister <laughs> could never slick have that was slick
1: man could never
2: it. have cognitive decline because it's an empty cranium so you're way ahead of us because at least there is still some semblance of a functioning brain in joe biden so consider yourself lucky that you're not canadian
1: Gadwin Trudeau comes for you, you always have a room in my house. That's oh, that's how it's you, gonna sir. work.
2: That's very kind of you.
1: All right, Carol, so you think uh, he's gonna be the nominee and then the machine will just keep running cover for him and everything else, that's it.
3: That That's what it looks like. I, again, you know, the, the question has been, how do the Democrats get rid of Joe Biden, but not end up with Kamala as their nominee. And I think it's too late to bypass that. If they wanted to do that, they should have started earlier. And I think, look, if we're thinking about it and talking about it, um, I'm sure that powerful Democrats behind the scenes were doing the same. So why didn't they do this earlier? And I think the answer comes down to Biden remains their best shot at winning this election. Crazy as that may be, Biden's the name you know. Biden's the man you know. He's not going to be some, you know, Gavin Newsom pretending that San Francisco is totally okay and that California is doing super great and you know, you kind of take a chance on him. Biden is, is a known entity to these people. I think he's going to be tougher to beat than people think, and I think that the idea that oh they're going to just swap in Michelle Obama at the convention, I, I just don't see it. I, I think that they're going to have a gigantic civil war. They're already having a giant issue in the Democratic Party because of Israel. Um, you know, they have they have to placate their Hamas-loving base, and I, I think that that's going to lead to bigger problems if they try to swap out Kamala Harris for you know Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama or anyone else.
1: Yeah. I just, to me, it's like, give the devil his due. It would not surprise me if it was the Democrats who gave the boot to the first black female vice president from becoming the president. It just, it just wouldn't surprise me. But let's move on from this week in dementia to this week in crazy racist people. I want to finish the show with two stories that are just perfect examples of how out of control Uh, the progressive movement has gotten in America. So Sunny Hostin, who I think is truly the nastiest woman on television, and a genuine racist and not that bright, despite her law degree and everything else. uh, She found out a little bit, you know these TV shows where they tell you a little bit about your family history and your ancestry, she found out some stuff about her ancestors that, uh, well, take a look.
8: Wow. I'm 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 in a little bit in shock. I I just always thought of myself as Puerto Rican, you know, half Puerto Rican. <laughs> I didn't think I was uh my family was originally from Spain and slaveholders.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how are you feeling, my friend?
8: Um I just um I think it's actually pretty interesting that um my husband and I have shared roots. Yeah. So I I do appreciate that. Um and I think it's great for our children. Mhm. To know this information, um, I guess it's a fact of life that uh, this is how some people made their living on the backs of others.
1: Gad, her genealogy test came back negative. Um, yeah, she's uh, related to slaveholders. What are we gonna do? Should Whoopi flog her on the show? What, sit on her? What do we do? What do we do?
2: Well, in a sense, let's link it back to the earlier uh, conversation on the forensic accounting of who owns which land. Mm And you mm -hmm. can't move forward in life by always looking back. In the exact same way, it seems amazing to me that she could feel either (laughs) relief that she doesn't have slave owners or, or hurt that her past does have slave owners because that presumes that there is intergenerational guilt that is passed on which is such a grotesque idea. So in a sane world, it would simply not matter in the least bit one way or the other what her genealogy was, but when you play the identity politics uh, game, then of course it becomes a jarring reality.
1: Carol, isn't it just a chef's kiss? It's just so beautiful for everything this woman represents and then the way you see, you can sort of see her ideology crumbling right in front of her. We're gonna show you another clip on the other side, but it's just in and of itself, it's just beautiful.
3: That Gad is completely right. <clears throat> it's The whole thing is it's her game that she just lost right. She set up the rules. She made this game for the rest of us. And now she's losing at it. Of course, it doesn't matter who your ancestors were. Of course, it doesn't matter what they did or what they didn't do. You're your own person. But no, under this leftist ideology that she pushes, you're responsible for all of it. And not only them, you're responsible for everybody ever who ever looked like you. So the idea that she got caught up in her own thing, you know,
1: yeah. I mean. All right. So so she goes on this show. She finds out this horrific information about her past. It's just soul crushing that not everyone related to her in the past was a wonderful person, apparently. But now she goes on the View and watch how she still puts ideology over everything.
8: You know, I was really reluctant. I don't know how you felt when you did it, Whoopi, but I was really reluctant to do it because I just sensed that there could be something in my family. History that would be um, disappointing. Um, Negative. Negative, yes. I thought I was going to have that kind of moment. And Skip had asked me to do it for a long time. And I finally decided to do it because I thought it would be helpful for my children and my children's children to mm-hmm. know what their mm-hmm. r- real history mm-hmm. was, you know? So the, biz- the family business, I had been told that they were printers and journalists, but they were, in fact, enslavers. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> my mother... <laughs> so oh, just fell over the audience. It was deeply disappointing. Honey, <laughs> how the does conquerors. this change you, though? You mentioned your mom was upset, and this was shocking in me. Maybe deep down you kind of resisted it. How has this changed you knowing what you're hearing now? You know I think at first I was deeply disappointed. Um, the I still, slave thing is a bummer. It's a bummer. And I still believe in like, reparations by oh. the way so y'all can stop texting me and emailing me and saying that I'm a white girl and that I don't deserve reparations. <laughs> That's... I still believe uh, that... Someone did it, that
4: to him? Yeah. I don't know who what?
8: sent her a thing telling her she was a white girl. Okay, it's, it's, it's too much, people. But clean off your television screen. Yeah, it's... it's that's a lot. So I, I... I... I still believe in reparations. I still believe this country has a lot to do in terms of racial justice.
1: There, there's so much there, I don't even know where to start. Um, first off, on Joy Behar's tombstone, it should say, the slave thing is a bummer. That's what it should say (laughs) on Joy Behar's tombstone. That's one part, but she's still into reparations. Oh, does that mean she wants to pay reparations now? What the high hell is she talking about? And also, you know, I was thinking while I was watching this, I I have a genealogist in my family. Her name is Henny. She's on my mom's side. She's a hundred years old. She's traced on my mom's side of the family back to the mid 1750s. I think how psychotic it would be if I looked into that and I was like, well, that guy did something bad. I owe somebody some cash. It's, it's, God help me! Help me with everything you just saw on that show. Her, she still has guilt. She still wants money from you. It. it...
2: Well, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna link it back to what I said earlier. If you remember when I talked about uh, what is the most surprising thing that I've ever seen in my career. If you remember, I said the inability of people to change yep. their minds in light of incoming new evidence. So now she received this in- evidence. It should. <laughs> theoretically make her a bit more intellectually humble and say, wait a minute, maybe my identity politic positions are wrong. No, she doubled down and said, yeah, yeah, reparations. So it's exactly proving my point about how most people are simply unable to ever shift away from their anchored positions. It's soul crushing.
1: It's, It's so extraordinary too, because she's become a millionaire media personality, who I suppose is black, right? She's Black, I guess. And it's like you want. Uh, when light. I'm in
2: the sun in Southern California, I'm about seven shades darker than C.A., yeah. so I'm the ultimate <laughs> black
1: man. You are looking disturbingly white right now for the. I know, it's tone. not it, It's really a bit much. Uh, Carol, uh, you're a white woman from Russia. you have better pay some cash to that woman.
3: I mean, I you know, I it's funny because whoopi goldberg said this thing that jews are white and so the holocaust was just like white on white right, violence right right and, you know some part of me is like wow jews are white now look at us go you know we, yeah. we weren't always white <laughs> like, um and I, I smoked newports when i was a teenager so i did always feel a little puerto rican um and i i, I You know, I relate to what she's going through over there. It's hard to find out you're not actually Puerto Rican and your your ancestors might be enslavers. But look, if she wants reparations, I think that she should lead the way because the descendants of enslavers owe more to the the descendants of slaves than those Mm -hmm. of us who came here, you know, in the 70s do. So let's get let let her get the ball rolling.
1: Dad, before I get on to the final clip, when when you've been asked this question and and you talk about this disconnect between people being given new information and still being unable to change the ideology, do you have the trick to get them out of that? Because I get that question a lot. I mean, people, everyone watching this show uh, has somebody in their family that is on, you know, let's say that side of the issues and they try to wake them up but they can't figure out the toolkit to do it do you, do you have the magic bullet on that
2: so so i do actually in 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 chapter 7 of the parasitic mind i do talk about how to seek truth but that is predicated on the principle that the my interlocutor is going to be honest enough to not right. go la 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 i don't want to hear it so as long as you are honest enough to at least allow me to lay out the evidence I think I could flip you. The problem is that many of the people that I interact with are of the la-la-la type, and unfortunately, they are unreachable.
3: This Carol? is why they go for the kids, by the way, because kids aren't going to go la-la-la-la-la. they are going to actually have to like absorb what, what's being indoctrinated to them. And this is why you know, we have to fight these battles specifically for, for children. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck with these adults who don't know how to take in new information and and are completely brainwashed from a young age. Indeed.
1: So if Sunny Hostin, the descendant of slave owners, asking for reparations on The View, where she gets millions of dollars to spout that nonsense, if that was not enough for you in the week of sort of progressive racist lunacy, we have one more clip for you. This is from the mayor of Dalton, Illinois. Her name is Tiffany Henyard. Uh, and she got into a bit of a scandal. She's maybe been using some tax dollars for things she shouldn't have. And listen to her explanation of kind of why she did it and how we should all treat her.
8: Y'all should be ashamed of you Y'all black. Y'all are black. And y'all sitting up here beating and attacking on a black woman that's in power. Y'all should be ashamed of y'all self.
7: Dalton's difficulties got worse in recent weeks with water main breaks, Henyard blames on trustee budget cuts. Then four people were shot and injured last week, leaving nerves frayed and Henyard's opponents pointing out her sizable security detail. It's unfortunate that politics
8: are being played, but what has happened is a million dollars out of my budget has been cut because of politics. Y'all forget I am the leader. They wanna hear from the mayor. If y'all ain't learned that yet, the mayor, not the trustees that don't do nothing, that only run their mouth. Y'all don't do no work, no
7: work. Tiffany Henyard considers herself something of a crusader, but one who's clearly annoyed by questions from a rebellious group of Dalton trustees who are in a standoff with her over spending.
6: At the end of the day, vendors are not being paid. Board approved it. The vendors are not being paid.
8: How about you be a good leader, bring RFPs to the forefront, so not just us. But the residents and everybody else in America know how the money is being spent.
7: WGN investigates has cataloged tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars spent on trips, meals, and more by yeah. Tiffany Henyard and her allies in Dalton, and on the Thornton Township Board, where she's the supervisor. Township credit card records show Henyard and other officials spent more than $67,000 on trips to Portland, Austin, Atlanta, and New York City. Many of the flights were first class. So were the accommodations. In Atlanta, Henyard and her team stayed at the Four Seasons Hotel, costing taxpayers more than $9,000. In New York, the bill came to $13,000. Henyard has refused to explain this specific Purpose of the trips, Mayor Henyard and other top officials traveled to Sin City in May to attend a shopping center conference. It's unclear if it helped Dalton land any deals.
8: Don't have a clue. We're all in the dark. Not only are the residents in the dark, but the trustees are also in the dark as well. I do not handle anything as it relates to with credit cards. As you heard me speak today in my board meeting about, I do not handle that.
7: Some of those charges are for you, though. No, sir. You didn't go to Las Vegas. Mm. What is that? No comment. You don't know if you were in Las Vegas? Of course I do. Were you?
8: It's not paid by them.
7: Did you fly first class to Las Vegas?
8: Any other questions?
7: Actually, yes. The credit card records do shed some light on tax dollars spent at several restaurants near the Strip, including Cafe Hollywood and Hot and Juicy Crawfish. All right. Any other questions? So you're not going to answer how taxpayer dollars are being spent? That seems odd.
8: I just answered it. What do you mean? I just answered your questions.
7: You said you wouldn't answer about Las Vegas.
8: You asked me a question and I responded. All
1: right. I know that was a rather long clip, but I think you can see why we didn't feel we could edit that. There's just so much in there. how about before we get into the million dollars that the police doesn't have and all the other, the vendors that aren't being paid and everything else, Gad, you're a, you're a master of communication and trying to help people know themselves a little bit better and live a better life. Her demeanor, her general demeanor when uh, speaking, first off, the way she just talked to the reporter there at the end, uh, no, like just, I'm, I'm a liar, you know I'm a liar. And then the way she's berating the people at the beginning, like. She's going to replace Biden, basically, is what I'm saying, right? Like she's got she's got the entire toolkit to be
2: president. It, yeah, it's, I mean it's unbelievable. Her chutzpah is truly uh, blinding; it's unreal. But I'd like I'd like to draw an analogy between this progressive calculus. You can't criticize me; I'm a black woman in power, and compare that progressive calculus to Sharia Islamic law. And under Sharia law, the the punishment for a crime depends on the identity of the perpetrator and the victim. So Mm -hmm. if a Jewish man kills a Muslim man, it's not the same penalty as if it were reversed, right? Justice is not blind under Sharia law. It's the exact same principle that happens under progressive calculus, right? Mm -hmm. Because it says whether you can judge whether I've committed an ethical breach or whether I am a good president of Harvard University or any other metric of a meritocracy depends on certain immutable characteristics. So progressive calculus is literally akin to Sharia law. And one has to think whether this is something that we want to codify within our society, it's grotesque.
1: By the way, we're seeing a lot of this. Did you guys see the clip earlier in the week when Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson was being asked about some of the problems in Chicago? And he's like, I've got a black wife, I've got black kids, I gotta take my black kids to black soccer games. And it's like, oh, well then maybe resign if you're you're under too much pressure. But that kind of illustrates Gad's point perfectly, doesn't it, Carol?
3: It does, and it, that that whole clip was just an exercise in I will say whatever it takes to get you know this these accusations away from me it is kind of amazing that her board of trustees are all black as well i think this would be a giant story about the white you know white people coming for a right. black leader if it was the reverse this way we get to all kind of laugh at it i would also add that eating crawfish in a landlocked state uh, i don't know about <laughs> judgment call um crawfish in vegas i don't know about that.
1: Good for her staying at the Four Seasons. I don't think I've ever yeah. even stayed at a Four Seasons. Not bad. Although she was only at the Marriott in New York City. That makes you wonder. Um, let me ask you guys one other thing before I let you go. I, I am sensing that we are getting some wins here. And I know it's a constant, you get a little and you lose a little and all that. But something does feel like it's shifted where people aren't afraid of the woke the way they were. Even if we were to connect this to the Biden story, people are starting to talk about the truth a little bit more. I am hopeful in that in that regard. Uh, Gad, am I, am I a dreamer?
2: No, I think you're exactly right. I think we've probably reached the sort of apex zenith point of wokeness. Now, that doesn't mean that the battle is not going to still be bloody in a metaphorical sense. I think these ideas took 30, 40, 50 years to proliferate throughout society, and it hopefully won't take as long to eradicate them, but it's not going to go away by next Tuesday.
1: Carol, give us some positivity to go out on this weekend.
2: Uh,
3: It's going to be tough to be positive, but I agree with you that wokeness is waning. I think that the pendulum has, you know, swung the other way. But like I said earlier in the show, the big problem is that they've captured all of our institutions and they're targeting this message to children. And that's really where our battle should be right now, especially in the K through 12 space. You know, the college kids are sort of lost and we need to forget about them. Um, But the K through 12 is where a sane person needs to focus their energy and fight back against the woke left because. That's where they're going. The kids are a wrapped audience, and they they know that they can target them.
2: And you're G- too modest to mention your own book, so let me do it for you. As you cover in your book, Stolen Youth. Thank you, Gad. <laughs>
3: uh, Gad, what
1: does one do uh, in Canada on the weekend in the winter? Because Carol and I will obviously be on the beach. We'll be getting our <laughs> suntan on and enjoying the water and you know the well, animals I- and
2: exercise my mind and I exercise my body. So I exercise a lot. I spend time with my family and I read with a voracious appetite. So hopefully that gets me through the frozen tundra.
3: We hope you get to see the sun again sometime soon.
2: From your lips to God's ear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Carol Gad, I thank you guys. Uh, For everybody else, we've got a post-game show coming up in about 30 seconds, rubinreport.locals.com. We'll see you on the other side. And you know what? I'm in a giving mood. We're gonna link to their books down below. Someone, <laughs> do we have that power? We have that ability. All right, we're gonna link to the books. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you at the post game.